commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible and unique stories. We may see things differently. But in the end, this is... Still, still love, love you, bro. Good day, Chris, or G'day. night, or whatever time it is. Yeah, we're back with another uh, another Halloween episode. We've been on a good streak lately. I remember the first season, we, we were kind of taking undue breaks every once in a while, but I think we've just been cruising really well. Yeah, and I'm really excited about Halloween, so uh, this is this is going to be an exciting month. I've got a story to tell you about Halloween once we have some time, but um, I, I finally decided to get into the projection decorations, so I'm kind of excited to show you that later. Oh, good. What do these four things have in common? 1974 horror thriller... All the Kind Strangers, starring Stacey Keach. 1975, Happiness Is, directed by Russell Doughton Jr. 2003, Charlie's War, starring Olympia Dukakis. And 2004, Perry's Wait, a gothic thriller, directed by Jeff Wedding, starring Jocko Buyans and Ben Clayton. Uh, they have in common to me that you listed some movies and then some numbers after them. <laughs> That's yeah. about all I know about those. They were actually all filmed within a few miles of the studio. Really? Yep. Uh, our neighbors call it Little Hollywood. Um, and in fact, Little Little Hollywood, Tennessee, is Little that the Hollywood. proper town name? Uh, the the 1974 horror thriller All the Kind Strangers was actually filmed in a in a large white house across the street. Like like from here? Yeah, across the street from yeah, here. Yeah, you can you can see it from the front porch of the studio. Oh my god! And I used to go there <laughs> as a kid. Uh, we knew the the gentleman that lived there and. Uh, my aunt was a caretaker for him, so we would go and play in this house. So wait, did you see the movie like before you went there and then went to see it, or you went after well, they, you? They didn't tell me about it like then. <laughs> no, I, I was Probably an adult a good thing. When, when I found out about it, and I've got a copy. It's really neat. And That's I crazy. wonder if the guy that lives there now knows about it. Um, you want to just slip it under his door on Halloween? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but So I'm really excited about our guest today, and on our last episode, I told you guys how my grandmother and I, we used to schlep around to all the stores in our town and the surrounding towns. We talked about, like, in my day, you could rent VHS tapes in gas stations. And, yeah, you um, mentioned that before. Yeah, so and we picked up all the horror films that we could find uh, in our city and in every city. Um, so today, we're going to welcome the creator of the Macabre Fair Horror Film Festival, which was actually just held at the Capitol Theater here in Lebanon, with credits such as The Living Dead Mafia Show, The Dead Father, Origins of the Undead, Horror Nights Project, host of The Pot of the Dead, and now Out of My Head Radio. This guy, I believe, shares my love of all things horror, so it's our honor today to welcome Adam Ginsberg to the show. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this, Absolutely. This is so exciting for me. You, he, you, he actually told me about you coming on it. Um, on the recent podcast, there's probably you can probably go back and listen to our reaction of having having you on. I'm really excited about it because um, uh, I was actually not familiar with the festival, and when you mentioned it um, on the last podcast, I went and researched, it and I was very excited because I didn't know that we had this much um, interest in uh, indie and and uh, that kind of filmmaking so locally here in in Lebanon of all places, Lebanon, Tennessee. So. Adam, I, I guess um, what I'd like you to do for maybe our listeners that don't know um, that much about the festival, can you kind of explain its origins and kind of what it stands for, what you've been doing with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the Macabre Fair Film Festival has been around for several several years uh, at this point in time. It uh, started in New York 
Uh, at one point, we were dubbed Sundance with Fangs by New York Newsday <laughs> up there, awesome. uh, basically due to the quality of the indie films that we bring in, uh, indie horror films, uh, as well as the networking components that is part of our festival. It's kind of unlike no other in the horror uh, film industry. And in fact, we're even being told this, you know, we're, we're head and shoulders as far as the experience um, and the treatment and the way we show our films uh, in in the uh, uh, in the indie festival circuit in general, we're 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 one of the nicer festivals to attend for filmmakers, which is really uh, a nice feather in our cap. And ultimately, that's honestly that's all that we're trying to do. We we are trying to put together a festival that makes the films and the filmmakers themselves stars, and to show off that that work and that passion uh, in the best light possible. And you mentioned uh, the Capitol Theater. The reason why we're there this year, um, we had relocated here to the Nashville area two years ago, and uh, we had been doing the Macabre Film Festival in New York, I think the last six or seven times, it was all done in a hotel. Oh, so wow. what we, yeah, we would turn all of the conference and meeting rooms into mini movie theaters. So I would have projection screens going and PA systems and, uh, you know, laptops to projectors and we'd be putting uh, rows of chairs in and so on. And uh, my wife and I really, you know, we got it pretty far, but we wanted to get it to the point where the films were really shown off in the best light possible, really show off the work. And the way to do that is in a theater. Mm. And um, when I started hunting around, I, I uh, stumbled across the Capitol and immediately fell in love with the theater, but even more the people that are there, uh, Elizabeth Ray and Robert Black, you know, um, they are incredible um, people. They're incredible venue partners. They made uh, working with them as easy as it has ever been with any festival or event we've ever done. Uh, and they loved what we're doing. And they love the fact that we're essentially bringing an international film festival to Lebanon with a goal of doing this for many years. I mean, I have the uh, venue book now for the next two, uh, two years. So, you know, our goal is to every year make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, ultimately, we'd love to see a full fall festival throughout the town, you know, around this. And it may be coming. We've had meetings with uh, Mayor Rick Bell in the past leading up to this event. We've had meetings with the chamber. We joined the chamber uh, with Melanie and, and her gang. And it looks like you guys may be very pleasantly surprised with a lot of activity happening in the downtown square next year uh, accompanying the festival um, at least that's the way we're hoping it goes because all the conversations seem to be leading that way with a year lead time to you know make something special out of it that's awesome and I, as as someone who's been in this area for a long time uh, I, I hold the Capitol theater near and dear uh, I remember when I was a kid going in there and it was the building was in ruins uh, there was a furniture mm. store in there and and it was in dismay and I always as a kid would walk in and think, man, this, this would be so great restored. And and I know the blacks very well and they have done, uh, you, there are no words to describe. It's what like walking through a today. time machine when yeah. you go in there, it, yeah. you're, you're in the theater as it existed previous and it looks gorgeous. I, mean, I wow. remember driving down the street and as a child and looking at that theater and said, man, that'd be so, I wish we could own that. Mom and dad, can we buy that theater? Yeah. Because, <laughs> because it'd be so fun to do that. And someone finally acted on that dream. And they, and, and yeah. they, and they, <laughs> The greatest people have taken that over. And I, the, I think one of the probably the crowning moments is my mother when she went to watch one of the first when they started showing old films there. 
um, walking in now and knowing that she used to go there as a teenager and walking back, just seeing her when she went in there, looking at the place like restored. Mm. Uh, that was probably one of the coolest moments I think I've had in a long time. Just kind of it's incredible. It, 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 you know, I uh, not only did we show films on it, but I performed on that stage over the weekend in character in the little show we did. And, you know, I, I've done theater before and it was a phenomenal experience being on that stage. Um, the sound system, the filmmakers, one after the other were coming up. I never heard my film sound that good before. This is amazing. Um, it just, you know, everything about that place is first class. And I feel very uh, humbled and honored that, you know, they appreciate what we do and that they're interested in working long, long term with us because uh, the company at this point is my son and I. And, you know, we have a big goal. And our goal is to turn this into the indie horror destination once a year. And in my mind's eye, I see, you know, thousands of people descending on Lebanon and filling all those hotels and coming out to the capital. And, you know, these new businesses that are coming like this, this brewery and, you know, various restaurants and whatever, like, you know, I want to be a part of blowing it up. Yeah. And I'm, it makes me very excited to hear you say that because I know, um, for forever, uh, that little theater has been one of the best kept secrets, um, of this part mm -hmm. of Tennessee. And it, I didn't, I don't remember seeing a lot of advertising for it, uh, on social media or anything like that. And, and now it's, it's kind of functioning on word of mouth. You bringing this film festival to Lebanon is going to accelerate that process in a very, very great way because now we're going to have people that they go home after coming to the film festival. Man, this theater that we went into is just amazing, you know, and, and they're going to probably look it up and read about the other events that the theater has. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I know that I know the, that you've talked with the owners and I know you've explored the amazing business opportunity that it is for both the Capitol Theater and you. And, and I'm very happy to hear that it's it's gone well so far. Yeah, I, I, I really couldn't be happier. And for, for those that, that uh, came out, uh, we, we showed 100 horror films in four days. Uh, oh, it, it was really a fantastic experience wow. uh, for those that came out. We had seminars going on. All of our seminars with the Macabre Fair Film Festival, by the way, are free. Uh, we include them in with your tickets. So if there's room to sit down, you could sit down and enjoy a seminar on acting, on screenplay writing, on directing, on voiceover or whatever it may be, cosplay, characters, uh, special effects, makeup exhibitions, and so on. And we were doing that upstairs and we were running the films downstairs. Um, for next year, <clears throat> we're actually going to expand it to five days. We're going to start on Wednesday and run it through Sunday. Uh, and we're also going to be incorporating some live theatrical elements within the experience uh, while you're there. You could like, for instance, you could be in the concession hall and suddenly hear somebody scream and turn around and there's a vampire attacking somebody in the corner. Oh, like those are the, I love those that. are the type so of cool. things that I want to do with the next one is really theme it out in, in uh, and and bring in some of that. Um, Sort of that old in New York, they do these dinner theaters where like this Tony and Tina's wedding, for instance, and you'd, you'd go and um, you could be in the restroom and suddenly one of these characters comes in next to you and they're fully in character. You think it's, you know, just some other patron in the restaurant. You don't realize you've just been incorporated into the story. Mm. And I'd like to do something along those lines with the uh, with the you know attendees who come out to the film festival. That would be great to, to when people really get immersed in the story. I think that exactly. would be that would be awesome. So I want to mm -hmm. go back, and you said this indicated in New York. So you're a transplant, right? You're originally from yep. New York. 
Yeah, okay. uh, I was uh, born in New York. I've lived in a lot of places over my life, even overseas. And uh, about two and a half years ago, uh, it, it made sense to come here. Uh, my son was a film student. He decided to come to Nashville Film Institute. And um, I said, you know what, I'll go with you. So uh, we came here and he got that done. And now we're, you know, you know, just working away on on films and film projects and, and the events that we do. And what have you, um, how have you felt about the move? I know a lot of people that, that have moved um, southerly. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of friends that have, that have come down from New Jersey. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? How, how different have you found living in the South from, from the North or from, from some of the other places you've lived? If I would have known about this 10 years ago, I would have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> That's what everybody it's Like said. I said, best kept secret, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I really, in all honesty, it took me three months to, to kind of like get my bearings. I had a, uh, a part-time surveyor job. So I was doing a lot of driving 80 mile radius from, uh, Madison. Mm. And I, I really got a, a good sense of, of, uh, of the land. I was in and out of homes and businesses doing survey work. I got a real feel for the people here and how many transplants there are. Uh, but I can tell you in, in full honesty, in the entire time I've been here, <clears throat> I can count on one hand, the negative energy people that I've met since I've been here. Uh, everybody is very positive. Everybody is very welcoming. Uh, I never would have believed it was called the volunteer state and really people have that attitude. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, I'll give you a couple of sidebars. When we first got here, um, I noticed that everything I was eating didn't have to be in a restaurant. It could be, believe it or not, it could be produce from Walmart. As long as it didn't come out of a can, and it wasn't already prepared. Everything that I ate tasted better than it did in New York. Really? Everything had more flavor. It didn't matter. It could be a banana. It didn't matter. Everything just tasted better. And it was funny. Um, I was noticing this for about a week. And one night my son says to me, you know, are you noticing the food all tastes better here? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's awesome. You That's know, that, that, and, uh, that and at the time, incredible gas prices. I think I caught a dollar nineteen yes. gallon when I first yeah. got here. Well, well, sorry about that yeah. now. We've, yeah, we're kind of creeping up. <laughs> That's not I've, quite our fault. A friend of mine from... Um, <laughs> I've got a friend from Brooklyn that runs a, a little deli, a, a New York deli, and, and he was telling me about the taxes, like what he pays in taxes. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I thought he was lying to me, but it was just phenomenal what he paid in Brooklyn for taxes. And he just, he said, forget it. And he moved his whole family here and started this deli. And it's insane. Yeah. And, and another but, thing, you know, income taxes, that's one thing that Tennessee thankfully still lacks. Um, a lot of people fought really hard to keep it that way. And although you pay more in sales tax here, I, you know, I feel like that's a participation thing, you know? Oh, the offset is incredibly fine. Yeah. That's no problem. Let me tell you something. I, I, I'll give you a, a way to think about New York. It, and I grew up there and I, I love living there and I have a lot of great memories and so on. I will never go back to live there. Um, New York is, is to most people who recognize what's going on, it is a, 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 a sun-baked sponge on a, a dried out, you know, situation on a windowsill mm. and everybody's still trying to squeeze something out of it mm. and there ain't nothing left to squeeze. And it just comes to a point where you realize, you know what, what am I doing here? Everything, all of my efforts are just going to pay something to pay another bill to, you know, to pay off, uh, you know, uh, another tax or whatever it is. And it just becomes very much a, um, uh, like your friend with with the deli, it just becomes very much a, a common sense decision. It's just like, am I going to stay here and 
and continue to, you know, sacrifice and sacrifice? Or am I going to go somewhere where I can still put in a, a good day's work and actually, you know, reward myself from, from, uh, you know, from what I gained from my efforts and prosper and, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you can't do that there anymore. And, uh, the other thing too is, um, I mean, it's just a general one, but climate, I mean, I love this climate here. People are like, Oh, it gets so humid. I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it too. Our, we, we have a lot of family from Colorado and I, I just feel like that's in my blood. So I, I do my mm-hmm. best work when it's 30 degrees outside. Like I, I don't care. I go out and do yard work in my shorts. My neighbor think I'm, they think I'm nuts, but that's the best <laughs> time to do. Cause I don't, I don't do heat and I don't do humidity. So I, I, I love the weather. I, everybody yeah. thinks I'm crazy. It, it's, it, it's a nice uh, cycle. You know, the seasons actually exist here and I kind of like that, you know, it changes. Yes. all in one day. That's it. <laughs> it, it it's <laughs> beautiful though. This, this is a, this is a secret that I, that I honestly hope doesn't get tarnished and, and, uh, and, and, and morphed and changed because what's going on here, at least right now, is is just it's a great way to live. And that's and, always uh, I hope others can appreciate that. That's always a big fear that whenever we talk about how great it is in Tennessee, that I that comes to my mind, you know. Um, and this is no knock at anybody who wants to come here, um, but there there is a reason that the place is the way it is, and it's, mm-hmm. it's through the decisions of the government and the decisions of the people that live there. Um, right. And it's it's always a nagging fear in my mind. The more people that come here, the higher the likelihood it is that they bring stuff with them that can change Tennessee. Um, but at the same time, I think it is very like you. Um, from what I've heard from you today, you've kind of you had a realization up there. You know, I, I need to make a change, and you come down here and you see what life can be like. And, Absolutely. And I hope that um, people like you who have that same experience can infer from those experiences. There's a reason it's different here and mm-hmm. look at the, the ways that it is different in the government, in the people, in the way of life. And I hope that through that, we can continue to preserve our little slice of paradise here of Tennessee, our little hamburger of, uh, of happiness. You, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little funny story about your slice of paradise. Okay. Story. <laughs> so my, my son and I are down here looking uh, at the lay of the land of where we where we're possibly going to live if he goes to school down here. And we drove. And uh, up in New York, you have to have a license plate on the front of the car, too. So we've got my New York plates on. Right. And we're, we're driving through some suburbia and so on and so forth. And it's a beautiful day and everybody we go past who's walking their dog or jogging looks and waves at us. Hmm. And that was kind of like what I'm thinking to myself. Hmm. And it continues to happen throughout the day. And it gets to a point where we look at each other. We say, is there something on the car? Is it the license plate? <laughs> like what is going on here? You know, why is everybody waving at us? And uh, that night we had dinner with a friend of mine who lives down in Tullahoma and, um, we were telling about this and he starts laughing. And he <laughs> says, Adam, Adam, he says, you got to understand, it's much more relaxed here. There's no stress. Everybody's just being friendly. I said, really? It's not anything. You know, he's like, dude, it's not your car. He's like, people are just friendly. This is just how it is down here. Just wait back. P.S. Three months later, I'm the guy waving at everybody. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it makes you it's feel contagious. so good, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you a, a, a backward story. I went to New York one time. Uh, I flew into Long Island and I was going to Hop Hog. Uh, yeah. I took a cab and, and I, we always hear down here about how cab rides work in New York. And I'll tell you, I have been in some crazy situations. I have a rock stomach. I've been in the back of ambulances <laughs> running emergency traffic to hospitals. 
um, mm. in front seats of police cars. I have a rock stomach, but I have never been so scared in my life being in the back seat of a taxi in that drive mm. in New York. So yes, what what they say is true. New York taxis, that was scary. Oh, yellow true. cab in New York City, you're taking your life in your hands. Oh, yes, wow. crazy drivers. Oh, it was. I, I got out and I was like, wow, that was right. That's uh, insane. Yeah, so let's get back real quick. Where did you get your love for horror? Um, you know, you've you've had a, 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 an amazing career. It all seems to, to revolve around horror. Where did this come from? You know, um, <laughs> when I was a kid, um, my dad used to like to take me to, you know, late night movies and things like that. Um, I never really saw myself as having a love for horror in general. I, I like film and um, I, I, I appreciate even low budget films that know how to tell a good story and can move you in a way. Um, but what happened was I, um, uh, I had married um, my second marriage to, to uh, my wife. She was a huge horror fan. And it was her and I that got together and created, you know, this whole thing. Uh, she was a huge horror fan. I was very much into sci-fi and comedy and I was into horror. But the, between all of that, we kind of blended it all together. And Twitch Twitch Productions ended up becoming something where we would do horror comedies and musicals and all sorts of different things. So there was always a little bit of, of what we both loved in, in all of it. That's awesome. And uh, I'm sure Chris might have had discussions with you before about this, but um, I think, well, I guess all of us at this table have been involved with one or two. I don't know if I'd necessarily rise them to the level of indie, but they were they were uh, productions of some sort. Um, mm -hmm. And we, uh, Chris and I and Grant, we all worked on something uh, together. Um, like uh, It was a music video for a friend of his. And uh, Chloe and I actually in college, um, we got um, volunteer volunteered, voluntold in, <laughs> into helping. It is the volunteer yes, state. That's why. Exactly. So we, yeah, we let it happen. Um, but we got, we got, um, we got involved in a horror production for an acting for the camera class, uh, at our okay. university. So that people, we were not in, no, we weren't <laughs> in this class. Uh, but the, 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 um, person who was teaching this class knew that we both had film slash camera experience in the past so that we were on the list of people that they should contact to ask for help. So right. I, I got contacted about this um, and these guys wanted to do a horror, fi horror film that they wrote. And, uh, Oh, by the way, the assignment is due in three weeks. <laughs> so uh, me and Chloe had to cobble together a, um, a horror, horror film uh, in a matter of shoot, shoot it within a week and a half. And then I spent like, most of my life for the next week editing the thing, you know, <laughs> sun sunrise to sundown, and uh, but it turned out really fun. It was it was a nice. good little production, but nice. I I cannot I cannot replace and and you know this feeling more than me I'm sure when we showed the film in front of the audience because they showed it in the school theater and they uh -huh. had it up on the big screen and everything when when the film was shown and people were actually getting scared and and mm -hmm. uh and uh reacting to the things that were going on and cheering for the good guy when they conquered over the villain that feeling i cannot replace that was something that brought back like from my first steps into theater when i was in high school and it was just so yeah. so exhilarating um and talking about this film stuff with you really makes me think long for those days once again <laughs> so but it's it's um 
I have to ask, do you ever, have you had a moment like that where something that rises above all the others, you've made this film, you've worked really hard on it and you're in a screening or you're showing it. Do you have like a moment where you feel that rush of an audience reaction or, um, or, or the way maybe a loved one reacted to what you've done? Yeah. I mean, I used to do more, uh, live theater and doing live theater. I, I would get, probably the a more physical uh and stronger rush because you're you're can especially when you're connected with the audience you mm -hmm. can really feel that energy you you know when it's silent in the room because it's supposed to be silent the audience just knows it or when they're they're uh, you know elated or whatever and you know it, you can you can feel when the room is working right and um I've, that's energy honestly that pulled me into this entire thing in the first place because it happened to me on stage very early and i said wow i really can do this and um but going getting now into films you know when it comes to films i'm my worst critic um mm. i really don't like watching myself yeah. on, on there too much <laughs> I, it's like i kind of i can go back and watch myself later on in a different capacity than i can when it's fresh and um i don't know because when i'm when i'm watching it i i can't help but tear it apart it's oh right. man why did i oh i why didn't we do that take like oh, i should have you know so mm -hmm. i don't really feel that same thing as i do when it's more live you know for me i guess when i'm watching the film it's more of watching it holding my breath that it, that people like it yep yep <laughs> you know wh whether it's a good bad or indifferent film is irrelevant you know it could be this award-winning whatever i'm still going to be sitting there you know like oh my god i really hope they like what they're seeing you know so it's a little different. That. Absolutely. And and you've done, I read on your um, IMDb, you've done voice acting, uh, a lot yeah. of voice acting. Yeah. Tell us, what does that entail? And, and, and... Well, um, voice acting is, um, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I like when I can get involved in those projects and um, whether it be a cartoon or something different and, you know, you can play with your voice or maybe it's just something like I did a really important project for someone that was, um, I narrated the entire script all the scene direction, all oh, every, wow. all the actions for a, a, uh, a director who's shopping the script for, uh, for, for money to do it. He's shopping it to producers. So one of the things he came up with was, why don't I have, you know, voice actors, you know, a cast, basically, let's do this thing like it's an audio production. And that was, that was a really intense, intense uh, voiceover gig that I enjoyed. Um, there was one I did, uh, it was related to uh, a Holocaust story. That one was very interesting. I mean, I cried during that one in the mm. booth. That was a very emotional read. I did one that was uh, like a pirate that was more cartoon. So, you know, and over the years, different commercial things. So for me, voiceover is, um, it's just another fun, creative outlet when it comes along. Uh, I've had a few different podcasts and some radio shows, and I always enjoyed um, that aspect and playing with my voice during those shows, just being goofy and whatnot. Uh, certain shows allowed that aspect to come out and certain shows didn't. So, mm. um, but voiceover is one of those things that's just fun. I mean, in my everyday life, I'm, throughout the day, here I am in the store and my son and I throw voices you know, certain things we say always have to be said in a certain type of voice for some reason. It's <laughs> bizarre comedy, you know, inside jokes and whatnot. But my whole crew of people uh, from Twitch Twitch, all of my my staff that comes and joins us every time, 
we're all from the same bloodline in a sense. So we all do the same type of stuff. It's yeah. very funny. Everybody is this, is this creative actor or actress or, or uh, writer and has that little, you know, thing in them. And usually voices always come out during comedy, you know, during mm. jokes and whatnot. But um, there really is nothing that, that kind of replaces voiceover and that you can kind of get in and, and get out. You can, with the job usually, um, it's, it's usually not a long-term commitment. Um, if you're fortunate, maybe they have some residual payment over time, you know, right. but, uh, I, I just enjoy doing them when they come along. It's, it's something that, I, that I, uh, that I see if I can grab hold of and get a, get to be a part of. And I've actually got a friend that listens to the podcast. Who's, um, his dream is to be a voice actor. He, he has a, he has a very, uh, deep, rich voice and he loves to, um, uh, he loves to, uh, do that sort of thing for, for his own projects or stuff that he does on YouTube. And, uh, he really wants to get into that professionally. So if you could, if in, I may be catching you off guard here, but if you had a piece of advice that you could tell him, uh, how he, how he can get his foot in the door in that kind of industry, um, what's something that you think could help with that? Well, he's already creating his own content, which means that he can record, you know, take that and edit it and create an audio reel from that. You know, a minute or whatever long of a, of a handful of different um, samples of his voice in different situations, different characters and whatnot. And nowadays, I mean, with with it's free to post your, you know, sound files up somewhere and, and get a link from that um, and then start, you know, hunting down the jobs, you know, put together a resume for yourself like any other kind of resume. Even these projects that he's done or if he's worked on other projects with somebody else that they've directed, you know, start to build a um some sort of a, of a resume together, cobble it together, get get your uh, your your link to where you can send or a download file or something, and uh, get onto things like backstage and and whatever. You know, you can easily hunt down uh, casting websites. Some of them require a, a small monthly fee, and you can create a um, a profile for yourself with a couple of photos and maybe that sound file mm. or some video files. And there's casting notices that come through that. You can apply easily through those types of things. You can filter the types of jobs you're looking for. Um, and at the same time, those casting have the ability on a lot of these sites to just be looking for types. So, you know, you kind of get, got to get yourself into these pools, you know. And the first thing is to, A, do you, do you have a talent or skill? Well, yeah, he does. So, B, you know, let's record it and capture it. C, let's put it somewhere where we can where we can share it. And then D, okay, now let's find the people to share it with. Network. Network and, and online resources that are that are free or, or very low low fees would Good. be a great way to just get started. I know who you're talking about. And yeah. if he ever got one of those side, the first person, the first director that clicks like deep, deep, yes. deep, <laughs> powerful spooky. voice, he, he should you be know like spooky voice. Yeah. 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 So, Adam, do you have a favorite horror film? I know it's probably, you've probably uh, seen thousands, pro right? But do you have one? I, I've that seen a lot. I've seen, you know, I have to watch every film that comes in through the festivals. So, you know, yeah, I've seen a ton of movies. But um, I, I think for me, the, if there was an all time, it's probably The Shining. Um, I can agree I, with that. I just, I, <laughs> I I just that. enjoy that film. It was very, very creepy throughout the whole thing. The cinematography used in it, the sound um, is very creepy. Um, I thought the casting was excellent, you know, throughout. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm an actor fan. I like great performances. 
And that film brought it all for me. So, you know, it's one of the ones I think back on, if I can remember. Yeah, that's probably that one. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of other better films nowadays and iconic, you know, killers and characters and things like that that people enjoy. And, you know, but if it was one that I would pick to, that's the one I always kind of circle back to. But I'll give you a funny story, a shining story, if you got a sec. Yeah, go ahead. We used to do something ages ago um, called uh, Horror Nights. And uh, Horror Nights was where I would take our cast of actors. And each week we worked with a local theater. And each week we would supply an old horror movie. And one week we would supply The Shining. And what we would do is we would uh, write a skit that basically happened within the world of the movie. Mm. And then we would perform the skit, the movie would start, and we'd do full makeup and everything. Um, and then once the movie started, every 15, 20 minutes in the movie, maybe the door would slam in the theater or something would happen, <laughs> come running down the aisle or some sort of interactive thing would happen under the stage. So one night we're doing The Shining and I'm playing uh, I'm playing uh, Jack Nicholson's role in there. And... Uh, I had this really fantastic prop axe. Fantastic. Looked so real, but it had a foam head on it. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. And we used to use the exits that were underneath and behind the actual screen. So I could go out of the building, come all the way around, and then come back at the top of the stairs uh-huh. in, in an instant. So, you know, when I act, I really get into things. Like, I love to... <laughs> unzip this guy and put on somebody else and just lose myself in it. So I come walking out of the, uh, the side of the building. Cause my, my next gag is I'm going to come around, like I just said, and come back down from the top. So I got to go outside the building and make my way around all the way through the front and down the hall and come into the theater again. And I'm staying in character. What can I tell you the whole way as I'm walking along the side of the building, I'm not inside the building. And uh, you know, I'm kind of like, half slung over and I've got the ax in a very menacing way, you know, held in two hands <laughs> and I look the range and the makeup <laughs> is on and the whole thing. And I get into the concession vestibule and I hear banging and I turn and there's Suffolk County police officers with their badges banging on the glass. Oh, wow. Yelling at me with a gun out to put the ax down. Oh no! <laughs> and I looked up, and at these two guys, and I held up the axe like this. I said, "Wait, it's fake. It's horror." <laughs> Bending <nights."> it around. <laughs> That's all I said. I bent the the the, the, the foam like axe head around. I was like, "It's horror nights." Oh my And then gosh. I looked down, and as fast as they were there, they were gone. Oh. I, I think they realized somebody called for no reason, and they were just <laughs> well, maybe they felt duped. I don't know. But and then then, you know, I did the thing. And later on, I'm talking to everybody. I said, wow, that was really dumb of me. And they said, what do you mean? I said, my reaction was like a joke. Like, it's hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had this cop with his gun and the badge and the whole thing. And I'm just like, so oh like, lost. he's like, I'm going to run over and show them. It's fake. <laughs> oh, it's fake. It's OK. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, we awesome. had the glass in between yeah. us. There was a yeah. glass yeah. wall between us. They were outside the theater and I was right inside. Lucky. Lucky that yeah. they were outside. The theater. Yeah. I would have been tackled. I, I have a very similar story to that, actually. <laughs> so, okay. I, I, I feel like I, I'm similar to you in that whenever I get into character for something, I am in that character and there's nothing that's going to break me from that character, say very, very important incidents. So... We had this Halloween party. Um, I was in the university choir at my at my uh, university, and we had this Halloween mm-hmm. party. And I was friends 
with this awesome makeup artist, Madeline. You know, you know her, Chloe. Yes. And she is she's amazing at effects at effects makeup. So this was the year that um, it came out, and I told her I want you to make me the most scary, creepy clown that you could possibly do. So we went, we bought we bought like a red wig, we bought all kinds of stuff, and just dressed me up like. And I wish I could show you the photo. I can send it to you afterwards. It was amazing. I went and got like an old. Um, uh, trench coat from Goodwill, and I had like three or four ties drenched in blood hanging around my neck, and it was great. And and I I developed this character just as she was doing makeup, and I rolled with it the whole night, and I rolled with it so much my I started losing my voice and sounded even creepier. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I go to this party, and um, before the party, I was walking around the student center in character with my friend because he thought it was hilarious. Um, and we went to this party and uh, I stayed for a little bit. And then eventually there were several girls that were just terrified of my presence. And so eventually I was like, well, I'm going to go leave. I've always wanted to go to the drive through dressed up like this. Like, so I went to the like McDonald's drive through. So I, it was raining <laughs> and, and I wanted to keep my makeup intact so that I could go do this. So I found a, a plastic Walmart bag and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to put this over my head because it's pouring rain outside and I'm just going to walk to my car. So I'm walking down the student center way and there is this, this, this lady and she's walking down through the rain with her umbrella <laughs> and she's <laughs> walking the same direction as me. And she keeps turning around and I can't really tell she's looking at me, but I'm, cause I got like my bag, like halfway hoisted above my head, like half of my face is peeking out of it. And I'm still sort of in character. I'm not trying to scare her, but she keeps looking back at me. And then I'm like slowly hoisting the bag even more and looking at her. And the third time she looks at me because I keep walking her direction because that's where my car is, right? It's on the other side of the campus. She bolts. She drops her umbrella and she's screaming, bolting down. She runs into a random dorm, bangs on the door, and they let her in. And I thought that was funny, but I got in my car quickly after that because I'm sure that there was going to be consequences. Turns out there was. So I got back to the place I was living at at the time, and um, my phone had died during that whole incident. So I, I, I like take the makeup off. It's been like an hour later, right? And I charge my phone, and all of a sudden, all kinds of uh, text messages start coming through. Jess, where are you? Are you okay? The police are looking for you. Are you okay? Where are you? And then my friends, they show up at my residence knocking on the door and one of and my the guy who lives with me he's like he's like getting out of bed to answer the door and he's like jess there's people at the door for you so i walk to the door and they tell me that campus security mm. had started searching for me because this is during the whole cr- clown craze where there are clowns running around everywhere across the nation right and they go into this halloween party and he said that the whoever the officer was that was um, looking for me, the main guy, he walks in, he goes, he shouts to everybody, all right, where's the clown at? And he's like, where's the clown? He's like shining his flashlight on people. Where's the clown at, guys? And he's got like his hand on his taser. And it's, it's <laughs> and so the guys are like, we thought you got arrested and taken to jail and your clown. It was, it was no, I just came back here, guys. It's okay. Wow. I, I called campus security and, and, they knew me from other things, not bad things, but they knew my name. And so they were like, uh, I called him up as, as Hey, uh, how's it going? Oh, good. Um, I said, Hey, so I'm the clown. I said, you're the clown. Yeah. What's your full name? And I tell him my full name and where do you live at? And I write that down. I said, okay, don't come out again. And I was like, okay, I won't. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so I, I dodged a bullet there, but a very similar, I, you told me that story and I was like, that's hilarious. How similar yeah. that was. 
Um, that clown stuff was crazy. It was. Do you remember mm-hmm. that, Chris, when oh, we yeah. had cl- like clowns running out and interrupting traffic and following people through? Did you know that that was the last time that Ronald McDonald was used for advertising for McDonald's? Was during the clown that right after that clown thing, they decided to wow. pull Ronald McDonald because he had, clowns had such a negative. Chloe, you just He's you just blown my mind. He's a friendly looking clown. They don't because now I can't remember an advertisement that after that. <laughs> there was a clown. Holy cow! That's blowing my mind right now. I never thought of that. I wow. always wonder where the clown went, but yeah, it was probably my fault partially. <laughs> Way to go. Yes, it's all your fault. Hey, I would just I would just like fault. to state that this clown stuff happened before we were together. Yeah, we so. probably would not have been together had she known me at that time. Um That's a weird time. But I still show her that picture and she's like, ooh, stop it. Don't No, it's the me. video. I hate the video. <laughs> There's a video. <laughs> we'll show this afterwards and but yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, we'll post it on the page. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Um so Adam, is there we talked about kind of your favorite horror film. Is there a favorite cheesy scene from a horror film and that that's one of my favorite parts of of horror films is is some of the cheesy moments uh i think to me sometimes the cheesier the better but is there um is there a cheesy scene that's just so cheesy that it's great that you recall from from a horror film that stuck with you oh i love bruce campbell in the cabin in uh in evil evil dead 2 and when he takes off his own hands and he attaches the uh chainsaw for the first time the whole <laughs> editing of that whole thing where he's putting together the chainsaw yeah. situation yeah. in the little shack there and all of that that's that whole you know honestly that whole series of films is probably my favorite they're <laughs> pretty you, they got a lot of hilarious stuff. lines in them oh, my oh goodness. yeah love that's, that oh yeah i love i love um like uh i don't know how you say that hilarity horror maybe like it's mm-hmm. it is scary in some aspects but at the same time there's enough comic relief where you're not just like uncomfortable to be there and right. I, really, I really that's that's a good genre i think so yeah that's actually what we started with horror, horror comedy horror comedy our, yeah our first show ever uh was called the living dead mafia it was a dinner theater show that we started and it was a horrific comical musical horrific comical i love that (laughs) that's what it was and uh it was the dead father character it was kind of like his backstory and and who he was and how he came to be and um it's gosh years ago we we sang songs i mean it was a (laughs) full-blown that's amazing uh, ridiculous jokes but you know then we took the dead father character and we created a uh, a late night comedy show with him so we had this undead uh comedy show basically the salvatore rizzo this mafia zombie (laughs) his co-host his ed mcmahon was another zombie and uh that show was a spin-off of literally we we uh it was like an homage to carson to letterman to conan uh you know that's that's what the show was and i mean we even did a a skit the the great rizak remember if if you go way back and you look it up and i'm aging myself but uh, Johnny Carson. So I looked at Chris. Karnak. I'm like, <laughs> do you know that? <laughs> look up, look up Carson and Karnak, and he puts on a big hat and he takes envelopes and he tells exactly. you what the answer is in the envelope. And oh. we did this with the dead father. It's hilarious stuff. That's great. But um, yeah, horror and comedy work very well together. And honestly, um, there's something very similar about how humans emotionally react to things. That's why if you're uh, notice you ever go into a haunted house or very scary parts of movies, some people giggle or laugh. Mm, it's, right. it's hitting the same. It's basically hitting that same well 
of emotion. It's just coming out. It's either fear, it's coming out as a giggle or whatever. Okay, so I have to say, I haven't said much during this podcast, but if you could physically see me, I'm really trying not to like freak out because <laughs> Adam, I feel like we'd be best friends. I was a theater major in school. Um, I made several films while I was in school. Uh, Chris nice. and I are working on films right now, uh, sort of, as I continue my adult life that started <laughs> 10 seconds ago. Um, but yeah, so I've been like, I haven't said much because I feel like if I started talking, I probably would never stop talking. But I'm, it's very exciting. I'm glad to know that there's more film, even though it's horror, which is not my favorite thing to watch, but to create is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool to know that there is definitely a bigger community in this area than what I thought. And aren't you excited? It's going to keep getting bigger. I know. Like it, I know. I'm so excited for that. I it's know. It's so cool. Because I'm actually, I'm originally from Kansas City. So we have a lot of live theater that's there in that area. Um, and yeah. when I moved here and I was looking at like Nashville and even the Lebanon area, there still wasn't quite as much. But to know about this, like... I literally, I keep looking at Jess giving him like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. Oh, we're doing this. Okay, cool. Yay. So I'm excited for next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame I, I I couldn't make it this year, but um, yeah, we'll certainly be there. We we may be doing we still may Love You Grow live from yeah. The, the, yeah, you know, that who knows, right? That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah. We so, can make that happen. A Still Love You Grow horror film. How about that? That'll there be you interesting. Go. <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly see you. Um, it can only show the tops of your head. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's right. It'll have to be animated because we're anonymous. That's like a challenge oh, film. Like gosh. you have to you have to abide by a weird restriction like that. That'd I'm the cool. only one that can be seen because I'm the only one that people know that That's I'm on right. here. <laughs> and they'll connect us to her. So yeah. Adam real quick, thank you for joining us. Tell our tell our listeners how to find Macabre online, how to find Twitch Twitch. Sure. Uh well if you're interested in the Macabre Fair Film Festival, you can find it online, macabrefairfilmfest.com. Uh, M-A-C-A-B-R-E-F-A-I-R-E filmfest.com. Uh, it's also uh, our Facebook. We keep pretty active. Facebook Macabre Fair Film Festival. Uh, Twitch, twitchproductions.com is the parent company site. We also do, um, we work with companies that are interested if they have an, a venue or a property and they don't know, they'd love to do something with it, but they don't have the know-how or they want to do something. We we basically help in that regard. We've created all sorts of everything from haunted houses to, you know, um, shopping attractions and things like this. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that we do with Twitch, Twitch aside from our own event, which is the film festival. And if you're interested in finding out more about me, um, you can find me on IMDB, imdb.me slash Adam Ginsburg. Perfect. And we'll also put the links on our website and our socials as well. Uh, especially for your friend who'd like uh, some, some <laughs> yes. voiceovering. I will make sure that he hears this episode. And please, he will please be very tell here. him I said yeah. hi too. Absolutely. Awesome. So. Hey, we really appreciate your time and, and we're actually going to try to bring you back. Um, you have another business that uh, we're very interested in uh, and you're in the um, hemp and CBD business, correct? Yep. Green Trees Company, trees with a Z, greentreescompany.com. We're in Hendersonville on the corner of uh, Gallatin Pike and Centerpoint Road. We're literally on the the border of Hendersonville and Madison. We have some incredible CBD. Uh, we're known for our flower here. We're a CBD dispensary. We have uh, everything for those that are interested in pain relief, medicinal uh, healing bombs, etc. to gummies, edibles, vapes, you name it. We've got it all. And we also have horror collectibles and all sorts of memorabilia out right now because it is the month for that. 
Oh wow! Perfect. Isn't that nice? It's yeah. spooky season. We're um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna tie another show, so we're gonna we're gonna ask you to come back and talk a little bit about the CBD business. Yeah, that's very new story. to Tennessee. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been that long when when I started seeing um, uh, hemp farms starting to register and starting to grow. So it's mm. it's really picking mm. up. So uh, we would like to talk to you about the business and and how that's Absolutely. been received. So we'd love to have you back. Um, but but for this show, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, I'm I, I'm glad that the macabre was a success. Uh, this community is glad to have you. I'm glad to see you at the Capitol, and we look forward to next year. Uh, and we appreciate your time with us today. Yeah, Adam, Likewise, thank you. Thank you so much. What a great interview. Thanks, Chris. I agree. Chloe, welcome to Still Love You, bro. Welcome. I've been here this whole time. Yes, you have. You have actually been here this whole time. I will say, Adam was a great guest. Like I, I haven't gotten awesome. to be here for a lot of guests because I was remote for a lot of Still Love You, Bro, season mm-hmm. one. Um, but he was a great guest and obviously, cause I say all the time that I love film and photography and theater that like, I can't wait to continue to and speak I to Adam. I know that everybody here, we're, we were like the whole time, man, we have so much in common with this guy. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like that's probably just something about, you know, making your own films and stuff. Mm-hmm. That hobby, there's a lot of experiences that can be shared, um, you know, among other people who just do the same thing, but far, far away. Something that I like to say is if you are even like a little bit interested, like reach out and do something with somebody or find somewhere to do things like that. Because if you just do, if you just go sit at home and not do it, then you're not going to get out there. You're not going to be able to really be able to express yourself and express your stories that you want to, that want to be told. And you've always got to start somewhere. I mean, you know, the, the film that me and Chloe did that I talked to Adam about it's not it's not the caliber to be entered into the macabre film festival nearly at all there's a lot of problems with it but man it was fun Mm -hmm. and it pleased the crowd that it was in front of and it did a fantastic job of doing that and you know you got to get out and do it it's not going to be great the first time maybe you're a natural and you make an amazing film that can be entered into the festival but I tell you you got to start somewhere. You got to learn. You got to mm-hmm. make mistakes. That's how you get better. Your films, like your first film is not supposed to be your best film. Your next one is supposed to be better. Mm-hmm. And the next one is better and better and better. And even professional f- filmmakers are that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. So I just wanted to talk about that because I, he was a great guest and I just loved him. Yeah, it's really here. fun to geek out, not about politics. Like yeah, I, I love yeah. geeking out about film. And, and this geek out is hilariously like when we, me and you geek out about technology, Everyone else's eyes just glaze over in the room. This is a thing that we all commonly share. Well, we actually understood this time. Yeah, I know. We that was a bit offensive. When did they understand pop culture without me? That's true. Grant. I'm sorry, (laughs) Chloe. Okay, so we're gonna get into some pop culture because this Chloe. This week has been kind of crazy. This past week. Um, So the date is now Monday. October 25th. I say that because we are reporting on the Gabby Petito Brian Laundry case, uh, just so that people are caught up. Uh, obviously, on our social media, it was said that his uh, remains were found um, in the reserve that they were searching. Um, so I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, when I speak about this, I'm going to be very clear about what my theories are and what the actual news stories are from this that are truth. So it was said that the parents uh, asked on the last day that the reserve would be closed, that they could go search one more time to see if they could find anything uh, of Brian's or, or Mm -hmm. Brian. 
Um, they have not, other than the dad, the dad went and searched for like a day or two, but they have not done anything to go search. They've been hiding in their home. They've been gardening. Actually, people have made fun of the fact that they're gardening in their backyard because it's actually legal for them to fly drones over their house. So people were flying a bunch of drones well, and looking at it's them. It's not legal, but anyway. Anyway. Well, the police officer standing in front of the house said that they could do it. So, Well, they can't fly it over their property. Maybe they're pl- flying it on the public, above the public highway or something. But, but anyway. Yeah, anyway, sorry. So just saying that that's how we know that that, Rank that they that. were gardening. You're wrong. So um, anyway, uh, they finally say, hey, the reserve opens tomorrow. We would like to go look one more time just to have a look. Now, remember, we've had FBI, CIA, like all these top police, local. Dog. Dog, the bounty hunter. He even sprained his ankle looking for this kid man what a sacrifice yeah i know right and so (laughs) the laundries walk in and 45 minutes after they have walked in the uh dad has started going off of the trail and kind of into a a uh, wooded area and he is not uh with any police officers because they for some reason continue to Mm -hmm. go with the mom and so um grant stop touching it stop Thank you. Sorry. I swear. Okay. What's he touching? He kept messing with touching his the freaking... mic. Stop touching it. Wait. I'm taking the We're going to kick you mic. back out. <laughs> okay. Vanish back to the dark land. So the police were with his mom, um, with Brian's mom. Uh, for some reason, the dad got separated and was not with any sort of law enforcement. Don't ask me how that happens. Anyway, so when he is uh, in this wooded area by himself, he finds what is called a dry sack, which is where if you're if you are camping or you are out doing dry things bag, outdoors, yeah, like that. that you can put your electronics in it, you can put like anything in it, and if it's sealed correctly, nothing like if you drop it in water, yeah. nothing's going to get ruined. Uh, he finds it. He this is all what the lawyer said. This is obviously paraphrased by myself, but. This is what the lawyer said, is that he was going to go call for police, but was scared that he like he didn't want to touch it at first because he was like, I know that's my son's. But then he's like, there's no police around me, so I'm going to grab it and go show it to the police. So he grabs it, picks it up. Oh, my God. And brings it to the police and says, look what I found. But wait, we're not even done yet. He has he is now met up. He has the dry bag. He has now met up with his wife and the police officers. And the police officers are like, we need you and your wife over here. Um, There is uh, something we need to show you that an officer found uh, a couple yards that way. And they show them a picture of what is a backpack with a notebook and other things. And they identified it as Brian's backpack and notebook. Um, And then they found some skeletal remains next to it that um, were identified through dental records as Brian Laundries. Now, okay, I, I heard human remains in the stories, but where did you hear skeletal remains? Um, that is what they have been called. They've been called skeletal remains. I believe so. Yeah, I read skeletal remains too, which okay. would tell me that, I mean, it was attacked in a swamp or, or whatnot. The, the dead body. That's what I was thinking. So, I'm thinking the dead body was eaten by animals. Um, um, yeah, that's, my, well, that's my opinion. So we're going to continue this because this is just interesting to me. 
So they find these remains, they find the backpack, and they just say, all right. And they, well, they put the whole tent and did the whole forensic thing. But then once they've got it and they got the dental records, they pack everything up and they leave. They say, okay, good. Open the reserve. So, of course, the next day when the reserve opens, hundreds of people who are interested in this case decide to go find the spot where um, they found him and, and where they found his things. And um, one woman actually found um, a water bottle, like a like a reusable one, like the plastic ones that you use. Right. Um, that was Gabby's from several videos that she used. And so they did not touch it. They called the police right away. And the police uh, said, oh, you can take that home. That's not evidence. This is this is true. This is I guess that because I was thinking like what else is going to be done? I mean, if this is in fact Brian Laundrie dead, that's it. I mean, they can't charge him post mortem. Right. So we know he was with Gabby. We know he used Gabby's credit card. It's not an extension that he didn't take her water bottle to. So I, I I don't I don't know what else the police could do. They're but, not gonna drive down and pick it up. Well I mean, they did, actually. Oh. Two really? hours later. So they, they came to that person's house and no, got it? The person said, I'm not gonna touch it. We're just gonna stay here. I said two hours. Excuse me, let me correct. It was tw- it was about forty minutes later because they said twenty and then they said another twenty. Mm. It was a two, sorry. Um but they did not touch it and then they got a call back from the same police officer, station yeah. and officer and they said actually please don't touch it don't let anybody else touch it keep it there we're going to come get it so um here's the thing for me um what came out today is that uh there the autopsy which for bones is, is not it depends on the method of death but yeah. right well they can't they can't figure that out from an autopsy. They mean? have not. The person that performed the autopsy cannot determine the cause of death. So right. They That's have, what I'm saying. So they it have, depends on the cause of death. So they have sent it to, I think it's called an anthropologist. Is that a person that studies ancient Human. bones? Yeah. 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 So they send it to an anthropologist. Now, here is my question. If a human, even if it is dead, it, if even if they are dead, excuse me, um, if, they are eaten by alligators would there not be like marks on the bones from the alligators like eating the skin off the bones that's probably why they've sent it to an anthropologist and things like that because yeah. and, and a person who normally would perform an autopsy they're looking for specific damages to human organs and systems and they take chemical tests and if it is literally skeletal remains now obviously there's probably still some muscle some uh, sinew and tendon on the remains I doubt they were completely clean picked um, but there's not much they can do if there's no biological markers to be retrieved. So I think that's where they're going. Um, they're going to the anthropologist who can identify marks on the bone that would suggest animal um, gnawing or anything like that. I guess it's Fish. a nice step, yeah. I mean, because I understand where it was found was covered with water for a period yes. of time. Yes. So I mean, it could be fishies. So here, here's what I... Piranhas. I, in Florida, in a swamp. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Maybe penguins. Florida penguins. That's a a reference. But um, the thing for me, a lot of people don't believe that the 
that he is actually dead. Um, which for a hot minute, I didn't either. I think everybody who's been very involved in this case did not believe it at first because it's just really hard to swallow. Like we wanted to know why this happened. We wanted to have answers from him. Um, I think he's dead. I'm not, there's still that 1% in the back of my brain. That's like, he could have faked it. The parents were in on it, all this stuff. Now I still firmly believe that his parents we're in on it. The reason I say that, you have every person that has resources looking for your son in a reserve. And you go in there, 45 minutes later, you find his dry bag, and you find his backpack, and you find his remains. 45 minutes into this well, the, reserve. The parents didn't find the remains or the backpack. Okay. The, the police did. Okay, but they led them to... It was a hundred yards away. Bag. They led them to the dry bag. Yes. You know, but the remains, the, they were in the story the you told me was they called them over. They did. Show them a picture they of the did. backpack. And then they found the remains near the backpack. Okay. But I have a question. Let's say they went east. Let's, I don't, this is not true. This is hypothetical. Let's say that the parents went east for 45 minutes. The dad goes, oh, I found this dry bag. And they go, oh, hey, we just found this over here. Okay, what if they would have gone west and the parents were like, we don't want them to find him if they knew where he was? Do you see what I'm saying? We can speak in hypotheticals. But here's here's what I think. This is my theory. Um, I think the police want this to be over. Yeah. They really want this to be done because it's become a very public, uh, you know, event, very public case. All and, eyes are on it. Yes. Like in the middle of an investigation when they're trying to work, yes. everybody on the internet is looking at and it. So yeah, they want it over. I think they knew that he was gone. And I think that they talked to the parents and said, listen, we know you know. We will give you some sort of immunity for you knowing what happened. If you can help us find him and show us where he is, we will try to make it as non-suspicious, although they didn't really do a good job of that, as possible. But it's just so coincidental. You had every person. You had canines. You had Dog the Bounty Hunter. You had FBI. You had all of these police forces for a month looking in this. They said they looked in that spot three times and never found him. And then all of a sudden, the parents, 45 minutes after walking in, go and find him like 100 so yards away from where the dad found the dry bag. Well, it's plausible that they... Okay, look, here. here's... You said the, the parents are in on it. I, you know, you're speaking about in on hiding him, or are you talking about the murder? Because that's a clear distinction that needs to be made. Right. I, they dropped him off in there, because we talked about it a few podcasts later. Right. I, I mean, that. earlier, excuse me. I remember so that. So they knew where he was. So they in that park. in that instance, I was talking about they knew where he was. That he was in that park. They knew where he was. He obviously had his phone because he made a post of uh, that Instagram video. Yeah. And so they knew where he was. So in that instance, in that statement, I was speaking about where he was because the police want it to be over. Well, you have to remember, too. Um, it's not a crime to withhold information. Um, if am I wrong, Chris? In an active you, you investigation, can, you can refuse to talk. If you're if you're going to incriminate yourself, yeah, sure. Well, but regardless, because because we can't just say you you only have the right to refuse to talk if you're going to incriminate yourself, because then you have the right you would to assume, remain silent. You would assume that 
that person is therefore criminal. But they don't have to reveal if they know where he is legally. That is the way our system works. So are they guilty of harboring a fugitive? He was not on their property. Um, maybe they gave him some assistance to keep him alive. Maybe not. And that would be something that post all of this that they could pursue right. to find that out. But have so, they even have they even put a warrant out for him as far as murder yet? I don't think they, he still, was he's a still, suspect. He's still wanted for but the credit card fraud. I think it was he was a suspect of that of the credit card fraud. I don't even think he was because, named a person of interest, was he? Because hold on, okay. Because he was in a because he was missing and he was his own case, I do not believe that they were able to put they named him as a suspect as the main suspect, but they were never able to say we need a warrant because they had to like he was a missing person. Mm. So yeah. anyway, I I didn't mean to bring the tone down here, but that is the update right now. Um there are a lot of people citing Brian Laundry around the country still saying he's not dead. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm sorry, but ninety nine ninety nine percent of my brain says, Yeah, he's dead. There's one percent that's like, Maybe not. You never know. What does anyone have to gain from that? I mean look, what is their theory? The anthropologist is gonna call and be like, guys. They, Police, they have we've got a problem. They have his DNA. Wrong body. These no, these Wrong bones body. are from the Halloween store. They're plastic. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's he ripped still, all his teeth out and put them in the. They paid Halloween a dentist. To, um, yeah. I will yeah. say, I did find out that some. So a lot of young people are on TikTok, which is where a lot of this story has been, you know, talked about, and different rumors have been said. Um, some young people believe that dental records meant that he pulled out his teeth and put them inside the backpack. <laughs> <laughs> Because some girl you got on there, some girl gets in there. Some girl got on <laughs> there and said, world has came to. "said Why would he pull out all of his teeth to leave oh, his man. DNA there?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay." This see, the these, these people, these people did not grow up with CSI I will say, see, or I will or say, NCIS. when I was like a kid, and they said dental records, yeah, like I would think, oh, they found their teeth, sure, yeah, but yeah. like you know, yeah, in, in his head. In his skull. In his skull, yes. <laughs> Still attached. Okay, so we're going to move on to our next story, um, which is a very interesting one this week, especially since we just got done talking about film and movies and things. And it's something that everyone is talking about and everyone is trying to figure out um, what's going to happen next from the story. And it is um, the unfortunate um, accident that happened on the set of Alec Baldwin's Western film. I was hoping Rust. this was coming. Mm, I agree. Um, I'm going to pull up the article that I have because I don't want to get anything wrong. Um, this was from today. So this is updated. One second. I got to move my mic so I can read this while I do it. Maybe. Okay. Um, it was <clears throat> the incident happened um, when Alec Baldwin was practicing um, and the uh, director and, and cinematographer were trying to figure out uh, the framing for a scene. Um, the director was Joel Souza and uh, Helena Hutchison was the cinematographer who unfortunately passed away due to the incident that we're about to talk about. Um, before uh, Baldwin was handed the gun uh, on a film set, if you don't know, um, especially in like real Hollywood movies, they use like real Western revolvers. Uh, they modify them most of the time to either have blanks or they will have, uh, they will add it post-production um, to make them fire. Um, there is not supposed to be anything coming out of this, out of this gun. And even though it is, is a real gun, it is supposed to be, it is not a prop. 
A prop means it's not going to fire at all. A prop means it's 100% fake. There's nothing that could possibly be fired out of it. Right. This is um, a real weapon with a real firing pin. Yes. That should have had a blank or should have been empty. Yes. That is correct. Or, the, had, one, or one had, one had fake other. bullets. Or had Snap fake caps. bullets or anything that is non, like, that if it fired or misfired, There's it no would not have caused this to happen. Um, so they were practicing a scene before the gun is handed to Baldwin. Um, the um, person that gives him the gun uh, is supposed to yell cold gun. This is a standard practice, yep. which means this gun is not loaded. This gun is safe. We've it is checked still it. A firearm. It's still a firearm, but we've checked it. It's ready to go. If you started shooting it up in the air, you're going to be fine. Um, it means you pull the trigger, it goes click, click, click. It doesn't go boom. There's yes. no blanks in there, nothing. Cold means nothing. Yes. Um, the gun discharged while he was pointing it at the camera. Now, let's, 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 we need to clarify. let's clarify okay. this. He pulled the trigger and the gun discharged. Yes. Okay. This was well, a- actually, let me take that back. In this article that I read, which has the official like report, there was never anything about him pulling the trigger, but there's no other way no, there, that that not, gun would have gone off. It, he had to have pulled because the trigger. Because he, the, the way that they described it was that he had grabbed it out of his like holster they were rehearsing um, and they were trying to figure out where to put the camera and he had pointed it to try and point in the direction. And he was saying, do I need to point it this way? Do I need to point it this way? And he probably, because it was a cold, it was supposed to be a cold gun was trying to figure out where he was going to need to point it. A lot of the times performers will do everything or have costumes on exactly how they're supposed to so that they can memorize that action. And so that is what he was probably doing. And we're not faulting him for pulling the trigger. That's no. not what we asked. We're just clarifying well, that, yes. that a gun just doesn't go off. No. I, I will say this, though. Um, I understand cold gun. You're on a movie set. You're going to be pulling the trigger if you're doing special effects, right? But if it's a real, if it's a real firearm, finger off the trigger. Do not point it at someone and pull it. Right. Unless you're in a controlled environment, which we will learn later, I'm sure. This was not exactly a controlled environment, unfortunately, on this set. But to him, it probably was a controlled environment. Well, yes. It's possible. Well, actually, we're going to get into that here in a second. Um, So um, it was described to him as a cold gun, meaning that it didn't have any live rounds inside of it. Uh, But during the rehearsal... Uh, the gun discharged, striking Hutch's, Hutchins, excuse me, in her chest, and Souza in the right shoulder. So, um, real quick, we yes. can infer from this because I wasn't sure at the beginning what type of firearm it was. Was it a shotgun, rifle, pistol? We can infer from this. I think that it is a revolver, yes, type pistol. It was a western, so I would say yep. revolver, and and it had a real live round in it that discharged because it's this has gone through a person, killed them, and then went through them. And severely injured the person behind them. And, I, and I'll say this: I've I've known uh, blanks in weapons that are not designed to have a projectile, but as part of the packing material, something has come out of the weapon, but not at a velocity where it would actually no, go I, I can't, through somebody. In so my mind, this wasn't a yeah, blank. I can't see a blank, even if there was a mistake where maybe part of the casing sheared off and exited the uh, the barrel of the weapon making it through two people there would not be a possibility that it can make it through two people yeah, it would probably maim someone one. but it would not probably have the velocity to exit that person so anyway go ahead Chloe sorry so um other than Baldwin there were two people 
that had touched the weapon before the incident had occurred. And one of them was the armorer and one of them was the assistant director. This is that they know of. No, this is the this is the director. So the one that was in the hospital from being shot. This is his statement. Because I, I understand. I understand. But this is yeah, the official statement okay. of the incident. So um here's the thing that I don't like about that. The assistant director should not be touching the gun. The armor should be the sole person. The armor or any of their any of the armor's assistants should be the only person people touching the gun. And I'll interject something as well. I, I keep jumping in, I'm sorry, but I've heard more reports on this story too. And this is not from the official report. This is from people talking outside of it and secondhand information. Um, but I I heard that um and take this as you will, this is this is secondhand information. Um they were doing this practice, the gun was handed by the assistant director, cold gun was shouted. Okay. They did the practice. They then went to lunch. That's what I was about to get to. Oh, okay. Sorry. If you'll just calm down. Okay. I Go love ahead. you, but calm down. <laughs> this is my segment. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. They were preparing for the scene. Let me also say this. They were running late that day because um part of their crew had left. They had walked out because of all the Safety issues. No, not because. Well, that was it and, union. That and there's a lot of union walkouts right now and stuff like that. So okay. they were operating on a one camera crew when they should have been operating on a multiple camera crew and things like that. By the way, union walkouts. We can we can probably talk about that on another episode when we expound on this because I'm sure we'll get more about the story. I like to find out what those are related to. If they're related to the COVID vaccine requirements, that I'm sure that's part of it. I anyway, just, go I, ahead. we can elaborate on that later because I have the answer for your question. Um. So they were preparing for the scene, um, not rehearsing, but just preparing for the rehearsal. And they decided to do a meal break away from the rehearsal area. Um, this is probably because there are certain rules uh, when working on a film set, how many times you give actors to eat, how many breaks you give. And they probably, it just sounds weird for you to be like, oh, we're going to prepare for the scene. Oh, we're going to go eat. So I'm speculating that that's probably why they stopped at that point. Um, when they returned, the director said he wasn't sure whether the gun was checked again since they had left from the meal. He also addressed the possibility of cast or crew bringing onto the set live am- ammunition and live rounds, which could can include potentially dangerous blanks, is what this article says. Um, there, you never think of checking people on a movie set if there's... Because what the possibility could be, you know, that there wasn't, that it was a cold gun and then someone tampered with it. That and, is a possibility. But you also, you have a single point of failure here. You know, if they were, and I know you're not to this point yet, but if they were doing what they're supposed to do before an actor picked that gun up again, they would have checked it. And they would yes. have looked at it again. Yes. So the, even if they don't have to search everyone for live rounds because they always have that gun secured and they know it is it is not in battery when they hand it to an and, actor. And another thing Jess and I was talking about, we're, you know, we're in an industry where we have certain habits and and Jess and I were talking about this where if I have a firearm and and I'm and I'm going to hand it to him, I open the chamber and I look to see if it's loaded and then when I hand it to him out of habit even though he sat there and watched me do the same He'll thing, do it too. he does the same exact yep. thing. And I think maybe that should be the standard in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. If, if you're an actor and you're handed a gun, I don't care what anybody yells, cold gun, hot gun, 
or you at least also check it as well. Right. Or at least even if people are not familiar, like there are probably plenty of actors and actresses who are not familiar with what a firearm should look like. Lots of them. And so yeah. have the armor or the assistant come up and say, hey, look, this is what this is supposed to look like. Yep. Here it is. It's good. Cold gun. You have a safety briefing. Yes. On every film set at the start. And and so maybe that should include you know this is if this you're is using how firearm safety if you're using firearms actual yeah, firearms but and before the before before you yell before you put a gun in an actor's hand maybe there's another there's another opportunity for the armor to come up and say this is what I'm about to do you know mm-hmm. do what I do and this is what I'm looking for and I yep. want to look down this hole and see the ground yep and I'm going to hand it to you and you do the same thing and here's the thing you know the, already in this story I we talked about not the armor handing the weapon to the actor. There is a chain there. That, in my opinion, and I'm sure it is standard in most other places, that is not done. There is a a single person that is responsible for the firearms, and they handle that until it goes in an actor's hand, and then they retrieve it immediately after, because things like this can happen. Yep. Sorry, go ahead, Chloe. It's okay. Um, So, what's very crazy about this, I, when things like this happen, there are always... There's always that moment right before that you see the chain reaction of this is what started this mm-hmm. action. Um, a shadow that was not there before they left for lunch when they had prepped the scene had come onto the shot. This is the only reason why they were rehearsing this shot. And it's probably the only reason. I'm not saying um, that it would have saved them. But if they would have done the scene before lunch, it's the straw that broke the camera. It could have, Mm -hmm. Um, because coming from a film and theater person, um, the cinematographer and director are normally behind a lot of screens and behind a lot of equipment and things like that when they're actually filming. Now, when you're rehearsing, you know she was probably I'm speculating she was probably standing in front of Baldwin, kind of like trying to visually see it, and they were both standing there directing him and not behind a lot of equipment or behind any sort of structure. Cause sometimes they'll actually have structures up if they're working in dust environments, which they were cause they were in New Mexico. Um, and so the fact that it was literally just a shadow that had come because the sun had moved that much mm. is just kind of crazy to me. Um, so um, they decided that they were going to start rehearsing. Um, this is after they've eaten and uh he drew his gun and was practicing where it's going to be performed and he, it fired, it discharged. Um, the director said he was looking over Hutchins, uh, shoulder when the gun discharged Hutchins grabbed her midsection, stumbled backwards and was assisted to the ground. So as said that in his uh, statement and then, uh, one of the film's crew said that he recalled hearing a large, a loud bang seeing a bloody Sosa, so the director, and hearing Hutchins say that she could not feel her legs. We went pretty long, apparently. Just, just roll through it. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, right away, crew members called 911. The 911 call is actually, like, out. You can hear it. It's kind of crazy, like, sounding, just because... They're like, we're on a movie set. There's two people that have been shot. And that's not something that you would think to get called about. Um, And on the call, they said he was supposed to check the guns. He's responsible for what happened on set. Talking about the assistant director, I believe. Mm, Um, Interesting. So. Who made that call? 
the phone call? Um, let me see. Crew members, script supervisor. Oh, okay. So she was actually, I remember because I, because I remember listening to it. She was actually in a trailer working on things and she was the one who heard the loud bang and she was one of the ones that called 911. Mm. There were several people who did. Um, so, um, the crazy thing about this is that a few days earlier, um, there was another incident with, I believe, stunt doubles or uh, other people on the set with the firearms that they discharged incorrectly. I that the same that. incident happened a few days earlier on the same set. A stunt double, um, it was discharged two rounds, yes. two live rounds yes. from their firearm. Um, so a lot of people with this case, with this situation, um, and if I haven't made it clear, Hutchins, the cinematographer, she passed away due to the, her injuries. Um, the director is uh, out of the hospital. He's doing fine now. He obviously like got shot, but he's doing fine now. But she did not survive. Um, one thing that I will say, too, is when I see the picture of Alec Baldwin moments after it had happened, um, it is very devastating to see that. Um, I could not imagine just being an actor and being in character and doing my job. And all of a sudden, one of my they were colleagues, mm. um, you know, I have now accidentally killed uh, doing my and job. Can I can I say this? Sure. So I've seen a lot of um, commentary on this from the conservative side and means. Yes. Please tell me you're going to address that. The, I am. I haven't seen a lot of the memes, but I have seen a lot of conservatives and a lot of people that I actually respect almost say that Baldwin is criminally culpable for this and that he should be in jail. And I do not really agree with that at all, in my opinion. I mean, well, they're they're making sorry, go ahead. they're making they're saying, okay, well, he is the producer. He is he is the you know the buck stops with him, right? And he is liable for this incident because this happened on his set that he is producing. I don't, yeah, maybe you could eventually figure out there's a pattern of um, safety problems. There's a pattern of neglect. And then you could probably infer a lawsuit from that. Maybe a manslaughter charge. But, I mean, at the same time, like you just said, Chloe, no one wants to shoot someone as an actor on a set by accident, no. especially the cinematographer and the director right in front of you that you're working no. with. No, and it was really sad because um, there has been another picture released of him like moments after it had happened that um, I believe that at the time that I saw them, I thought, oh, it's just a picture from the set. But it was actually the blood from both of them on his shirt mm. because he had gone over t to help. Um what you just said, Jess, and this is what we're going to talk about for a minute and then we're going to move on because this is really all that we have on this story right, right now. Right. Um, Alec Baldwin is a producer uh, of this film and that puts him in an unfortunate circumstance because as a producer, it is your job if there are unsafe conditions happening on your set that you are the one in charge of saying, hey, these need to be done properly. Now, obviously, when you're a producer and an actor, and he's probably three other roles on this film because it's it's pretty much his film. Yeah. Yes, you get busy, but that's why you have other producers. Um, there can be, there probably won't be, because it was an accident. It wasn't like he was like, "I'm going to shoot you." It was an accident. He was not aware that it was a that it was a firearm that was loaded. 
Um, but in any other circumstance, he probably would be in very big legal trouble right at this moment because it was his responsibility to make sure that all of the safety protocols were be, being taken as a producer. Um, I say that once again, I understand that TikTok's not the most reliable source on some things. I have a lot of lawyer pages that they kind of go through and kind of dumb down the law for you in different cases and, and things. And they went through this case very thoroughly. Um, and they said that he could get in legal trouble. They probably will settle it out of court. That will probably be what happens. There probably won't be any jail time because it was an accident. It wasn't, you know, anything that was purposeful, obviously. Um, but to me, I think the armor needs to be um, just some sort of... He actually got fired today. I should have mentioned that. I bet he did. He deserves to he be fired. He got fired today. He deserves and to be blacklisted. I think that the assistant director as well. I'm sure, because these people, those are the two people... Let me let me bring it into another um, situation here. So the best... The best thing that I can bring it closer to home is, is you guys ever seen some of those cases where uh, a son... Maybe some of his, uh, I'm sorry, a father and his sons are out there shooting. Um, they're with firearms recreationally. Father leaves a gun on a table, didn't check it, or thought he checked it. Young son picks it up, shoots himself, dead, right? A lot of those cases, there is a lot of, um, how do I say this? Uh, judicial, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? It's, it's, um, the, the the judge, although he could charge the father with manslaughter for his own child, he does not because um, he's using his own um, judgment to say, look, all right, this is clearly an accident. He's been through enough. There's no reason to put him in jail or charge him with manslaughter. It's, it's terrible, but the man didn't mean to do it. I feel like Alec Baldwin, although there were obviously... Um, a lot of neg- there was a lot of negligence on this set, careless negligence that led to the death uh, of a person. Does, is he criminally liable? That's that's a decision that will have to be made by the court. If it were up to me, I'm not really sure. Um, I think that we could put the blame on people that were supposed to be doing their jobs properly, and Alec Baldwin, who hired them to do their jobs properly, they did not do their jobs properly, and that led to the death. So. Um, it's a terrible situation overall, and um, you hate to see stuff like this. I agree. It like and like I said that that picture of him, um, pretty much doubled over on the ground, and just seeing that. Um, obviously, we don't know Alec Baldwin. Like we, I don't know him personally, but to see that, it almost like it makes me upset because like just teary eye because yeah. I've been an actor. Like I've. I've done films. I've done things like that. And that's like the, the worst thing could, that could have ever happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can tell why conservative um, popular voices are kind of going after him a little bit because he is a very prominent liberal voice um, on TV. He makes fun of conservatives, Donald Trump and, and all that stuff. And he makes a lot of inflammatory tweets that people get mad at. Um, but we all bleed red. And no matter what your opinion is, you got to acknowledge when someone is going through a really tough situation. That's kind of why I've been really merciful on the parents of um, Laundry, because I know they're going through a lot of really tough stuff right now. I mean, now they've lost their son. They didn't have anything to do with with him killing her. 
most likely, and they were doing their best what they thought for for their son. But anyway, I can jump off that bridge and go down that that uh, <laughs> that that deep I deep waterfall. Don't, please don't jump off um, a bridge. Theoretical bridge. So, Theoretical bridge. Um, those are kind of two downer stories. I'm sorry, but it's two big things that have happened uh, that we've been talking about, uh, especially with the Brian Laundry case, and then. Uh, pop culture, you know, Alec Baldwin, he's an actor. It's a film set. Yes. I'm sorry. I just want to add something else. Grant showed me a meme a minute ago during that. And the meme was a picture of a police officer pulling someone over and it said, sir, are there any guns in the car? And then the guy responds, no, only movie props. And I think that's actually kind of funny because a problem I'm seeing in the media reporting of this case is that they're saying things like, there a prop was a, gun. Or a prop gun. The word prop is mm-hmm. incorrectly used. Yes. A prop gun misfired or a prop. There was an accident with a prop gun. This was not a prop gun. People saying prop gun media. I know you're not used to firearms, but look, this was a real firearm and it was in someone's hand and that person pulled the trigger and there was a live round ready to go. This was not a prop, mm-hmm. even though it was on a movie set. It was not a problem. Well, and like I said, most of the time when they're doing like Westerns or really anything that is a timepiece that there are that there are things to tell mm. what time period you're in, they will use real guns and modify them to make sure that they're safe most of the time. Uh, but the, the guns in your hands are real. Like it's not a plastic toy. Firing pins can be removed. Plugs can be inserted in the barrel. But clearly, they were using a real gun. Yes. I've heard theories that maybe people were recreationally, they were bringing bullets into the set. Chris, I think you told me. That was your theory. Yeah, I read a story that during the off time, because they're in the desert, and and to pass time, they were using these guns or some guns, and they were bringing bullets. This is just what I read. And they were going out in the desert and just shooting. Um, so, you know, if, if that is true, then, you know, did one of those bullets accidentally make it in this gun or get left in the gun or mm-hmm. I mean, when they wouldn't bro- utilize that time to, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah and when they broke for lunch, skill. maybe, you know, somebody involved with the film was like, Hey, well, yeah, I'm not going to go eat right now. I'm going to go out and you know, blow off some steam and yeah. shoot some rounds and left one. We just don't Either, know. Or in that situation, they were going to, and somebody said, Hey, we need you to come over here and do this really quick. And, and then it. they left it. So, but, and here's the thing with that, that goes straight back to the armorer and the assistant director who was acting as an armorer, unfortunately, in this case, um, it they should have been checked, checked again. the gun checked. no again. matter what. I like, want to say the word again. Yeah. Because they checked it the first time and then we broke for lunch. And then they did not check it again. That's a, and that's my thing. In my mind, that's a brand new gun. Yep. Never seen it before. I'm going to pick it up. Yep. I'm going to see if it's loaded. And yep. that's that's the problem. Is I you know, I think that there are trained people that know these things. Yep. Why were they not on this set? I don't know. Can't answer that. They were right, striking. We're going to lighten up the mood now. Uh-oh. We're going to leave Alec Baldwin behind. So I found out a really cool fact today about... We're going to get into spooky season stuff now. Sorry, I should have started with that. Uh, a really cool fact uh, for A Quiet Place that I found out today that I thought was really cool. Um, have you ever noticed that the monsters in A Quiet Place don't eat the people? They just, like, tear them apart. They just attack them. Yeah. And even on the back of a... On the board with all the investigative stuff that John Krasinski's character does, it says, why did they not eat us? And the reason for that is just like how we squish spiders because they scare us. The sounds scare them. The sounds hurt them. And so that is the reason why he decided that they would not eat the people, that they just attacked them to make it stop. Interesting. 
So, so these creatures are afraid of sound. Afraid it and it hurts them. Right. And so I just thought that was really, I saw that today and that was a really cool fact. Um, Y'all one, know that movie we're talking about, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. No. <gasps> are you serious? Are you kidding? You no. like horror movies and you haven't watched that? What is it? It's a great a Quiet, quiet place. place. It's I'll a check very it good movie. It, it's like a survival horror. They just made the, the second one. in the beginning. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. stop, they, stop. I'm not going to say anything else. Is that uh, where they have a blindfold? Nope, that's no. Bird Box. That came out the same year. Okay. This has John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Do you know who those are? Yeah. Okay. And in this, in this film, there are creatures that if you make any sort of sound, they kill you. Okay. They and so it's pretty much apocalyptic. It's very suspenseful. It's suspenseful. It and it's the greatest movie. thing, if you have surround sound, it's amazing. It's br- because he did it. He made the he edited the entire movie without any sound in it at the beginning. And you could watch it muted and still have the same effect. The mm. daughter in the movie is deaf. So there's a lot of scenes where it's the suspense comes from the loss of sound in it. And the it was, facial it, the, the thing is, it was like one of the first films to do that. Like it was really one of the first films to utilize sound that much to scare people. Cause we the went lack of sound. Yes. Yeah. We went and saw it in the theater when it first came yeah. out yeah. and that was crazy. It was an amazing experience. It was awesome. So you need to go watch that. And by the way, so you know who we're talking about? John Krasinski played Jim, um, Jim in the office. The office. Yeah. So, yeah, amazing guy. He's awesome. <laughs> so, um, one of my favorite little shows on YouTube is finally ending. I don't know if you've ever seen BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, oh, it's, no. I know. They fin- they ended the Supernatural uh, one a couple uh, weeks ago, but they also have a true crime uh, episodes that they do, and they are ending that this year, too. Mm. Um, if you don't know, BuzzFeed Unsolved does uh, is Ryan and Shane. Um, and they have one that is a skeptic of all ghosts and ghouls, <laughs> and ghouls as they say. And the other one uh, is like the a most scared. Believer, yeah. And so they go and they investigate scary places and then they talk their, their true crime podcast. They go through true crime stories. I love listening to it in the car uh, while I'm driving. I don't watch it, but I listen to it. Um, and they're really entertaining. I'm really sad that they're going like that was such a good little show that I got to watch all the time. But if you want, go check it out. It's BuzzFeed Unsolved, uh, Supernatural and True Crime. Unsolved um, is full of hilarity. The oh, it's so it's funny. Hilarious. So. so um, Jess and I actually have I have a personal story. Oh, no. Um, not from you. Oh, OK, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's related to us because it happened to your parents, actually. That kind of relates to Halloween. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to give away the town that they live in, but they live in a town that has like a haunted hotel that's in this town. And um, there were two people that were staying in this hotel to do paranormal things and like search for ghosts. Ooh, spooky. They, they sell that hotel based on the, yes, the scary factor. Literally. Yeah. So um, they were driving and they thought that the only way to turn around um, because they thought they were going the wrong way, uh, was down uh, Jess's parents' road, which is gravel. I will answer that. Uh, it Dirt is gravel. in some places as well. And um, there are creek, uh, creeks that run through it that um, some of them, you can't really see it from where you're driving, but it's like a 10-foot drop. And so they went to the spot and they tried to turn around and they fell into one of those 10-foot spots 
with their car. Whole car. The whole car. Off the side of the bridge. Just totaled. In the creek. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Jess's dad had to deal with that. But the reason I brought that up was because it's ironic that um, they were ghost hunters because Jess's dad and I have an obsession of watching this uh, YouTuber's uh, videos called Nukes Top 5, which is like top five scariest ghosts caught on camera. Yeah. And things like that. We've, we've watched that since the pandemic started, basically. And so, and we make fun of them. And I just thought it was ironic that these guys that were investigating ghosts decided to just turn around on their road and total their car and spend a lot of time with your dad. He said he felt really sorry for him because um, they, I mean, it was a newer car and they just decided to do the wrong thing and ended up in a creek. Yeah. Oh, that I have yeah. lost pieces of my car to those creeks. Yeah, I, I think chunk, he, I have a chunk of my skid plate in my trunk from those creeks. He ended up driving him like an hour away yeah, to, to, to a hotel. hotel. So, Holy cow. yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, I have a quiz. Oh boy, how are we on time? Yeah, how we, are we? We've been, It's nine. It's gonna be 10. a long episode. Oh, we got to. But do it we quick. took a break in between. Mm, we took like a fifteen-minute break. break. Okay, mm. let's knock it out. Like, I gotta have my mom at the hospital early in the morning. Okay, so let's go. Let's you wanna do a quiz? Out. Yeah. Okay. Let's just do it quick. Okay, so we're gonna do Halloween quiz. Oh, okay. So we're gonna do a Halloween quiz. Okay. So which country did Halloween originate in? Ireland, Germany, Czech Republic, or Romania? Romania. I'm gonna say Ireland. Uh, Ireland. You two are correct. It was Ireland. Oh, wow. Hello. I mean, hello. You know, that sounds Irish. Hello. My thought. Hello. My thought sounds Irish. The word Halloween means which of the following? Dawn of the Hallows, Saints Evening, Eve of the Dead, or Dark Night? Eve of the Dead, Saints Evening. All Hallows Eve is what I've heard it called. So I, I, I don't know. Read, I, I, well, I give up. It's Saints All's- evening oh. yeah. congratulations was, Grant. yeah she's like turning her laptop yeah i screen. turn my laptop i promise i'm not out <laughs> I, he, grant is sitting Fine. right next to me i just have to make sure i have to make sure it's easy to just peek over not on purpose okay so what is the most popular halloween costume for pets hershey's kiss hot dog pumpkin or bumblebee hot dog hot dog bumblebee those are all incorrect it what? was a pumpkin what? A pumpkin. I ain't never uh, seen I, no dog in a pumpkin. I guess I have seen those, but I feel like hot dog is hot dog. I've seen that. Yeah. Hmm. For for like long dogs specifically. Okay. This can be our last question. What was used for the first jack-o'-lanterns? Potatoes and turnips, potatoes and pumpkins, watermelons and turnips, or eggplants and pumpkins? Wow, this eggplants is like eggplants and pumpkins. This is like one of those questions on like the ACT where there is a commonality <laughs> among each one of them. Uh, <laughs> one of these things so is relatable. not like the Is it other. A and B? I love that show. A and C? B and C? Are you going to guess? Or C and A? Sorry. Yeah, You're the no, only one that I, hasn't guessed. Do I you need the uh, options again? The one with the pumpkin in it. That is, <laughs> I guess potatoes and radishes. You mean potatoes and turnips? Sure. You're um, actually correct. It was what? potatoes and turnips. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny, so I chose Jess potatoes. Got the bonus question. I thought that was sarcastic. Nope. So I mean, it has to be the most unlikely. I'm going to go home and try to carve a potato. Yeah, yeah. Please do. I, yeah, I, I so we'll post it on the page. We will go. I will go home and try <laughs> to carve potato a potato lantern. So do we call it a, instead of a jack o' lantern or a spud lantern? lantern. Yeah, <laughs> mom's going to come in the kitchen. What are you doing to the potatoes? You're like this is what they started with, mom. mom we got to go back to the beginning. Halloween decorations. This is how it all began. Yeah. So, Please do. Well, um, this is the end of pop culture, but if you are out trick-or-treating this weekend, please be careful. 
please watch out for serial killers and, and other people and clowns. Yeah. And also, if you do see a very realistic person that you think could be deceased, just go ahead and, and call somebody about that because it could be a person like we talked about last oh week. Oh my gosh, I never thought that people were going to be dressing up as Brian Laundry. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> I don't uh, think that's I don't thing? think oh. that's going to be a thing. Oh, come on. People are fickle like that. That is true, but hopefully it's not. Let's but, hope not. But we could do a group thing like I'll dress up as dog. Oh, <laughs> my oh, no. god! Yeah, we can all that pick characters from this that horrible saga. I'll be the monster can with the Brian DNA on it. <laughs> and and Grant, you can be Dog's broken ankle. <laughs> <laughs> I could be the broken ankle. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Uh, oh, oh, I'm going to die. I'll tell you later. Oh, man. Okay. Oh my God. Holy crap. All right. Well, look, this has been a super long Halloween episode of. We hope you enjoyed it. You, bro. It's not we, over yet. It's, um, we've got more to come for Halloween. We do. So we do. So Woo-hoo, thanks for joining season. us. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on show ideas, send us an email Chris at stillloveyabro.com. Jess at stillloveyabro.com with a Y A. J S S E, by the way. J what? J E S S E. Good job. Juliet Echo Sierra Sierra Echo. Oh my goodness. And Chloe at stillloveyabro.com. C H L O E. I'm glad you can spell that. Uh, Me too. Okay. Visit our website. We'd appreciate it. Stillloveyabro.com. We have social media, Facebook. We have Instagram. We've confirmed that fact. Yep. Um, A like and a share would help us greatly. And if you want to rate us on Apple Podcasts, there's a little rating system on there. That'd be great. Other than that, I mean, listen to us on whatever you got. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on I. What is the other thing? Uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and wherever you can get your podcast. We're podcasts. just everywhere. Yeah. Hey, if you want to be on our show, contact us. We'd love to see you. Absolutely. Love, whether that means Zoom or whether that means in person. Some of these guys check their email frequently, more frequently than I do. So <laughs> go ahead and send the email <laughs> to one of them if you want an answer. <laughs> At least he's um, honest. I am honest. All right. I think that's it. It's been a long episode. We appreciate everyone tuning in. We're going to have more Halloween-related content coming up, uh, so just stay tuned to our podcast channels, and uh, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I always okay, feel wrap like that. that was a long somebody's that was talking me. Chris is about to fall asleep. Oh. Yeah. How, did you turn on freaking... Arctic Blast. Freeze.